Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you today for another spoiler-free movie review. We've done a couple of these recently by watching them on Netflix, maybe acquiring them in a certain manner that may not be legal or not, but we're here to recap a movie that we actually saw at the movies. Yes, the big screen thing that sits in front of you and people around you, even though they're a long way away from you because of social distancing and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, we're here to talk about the Christopher Nolan movie that nobody thought was going to be released this year, but it finally was. It is Tenet, the movie with Christopher Nolan directing that I just said, and Denzel Washington's son, and the vampire that sparkled a lot, and... I think Michael Caine was in it. I don't know. I blinked at one point. Um, But this is exciting to be back and talk about a brand new movie at the cinemas. Ivom siet ni snepkap kafa et taho aidi on eva idena neb si emen im. Well, now you just put me to shame. My name is Colin Nilock. I was hoping you got that I was introducing myself there. Um, I guessed. Yeah, yep, good. I'm glad you're smart. I'm not. Um, yes, uh, spellbackwards.com, everyone. It's uh, it's an interesting website. Uh, Colin Tennant, you saw this a little bit uh, before I did. You were, I think, very keen to do a recap of this because it took me a couple of days to see it. We'll explain why in just a moment. Uh, and you were sort of like, oh, I'll do one with Jamie. I'll do one with Jamie. So... I'm guessing you've been hanging on to this for about a week to talk about it. Uh, how, what are your thoughts, yeah. initial thoughts on on ten and the experience of finally going back to see a movie at the movies? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think one of the main reasons that uh, I wanted to, um, d- you know, do this one so soon was because we got the jump on this living in Canada. This was released a week and a half ago, uh, and in America, it's only been released, I guess, today at the time you're hearing this. Uh, so. Felt very exclusive at the time, you know, but the more of a chance you get to reflect on the movie, you don't really feel like (laughs) it's a club you want to belong to. Uh, (laughs) This is the movie that's going to save movies in 2020. It may very well do that just because of the experience of it's been so long since you've seen something. But I mean, I have to say, I there are things I really liked about this. There are things that work really well, especially when you see it in IMAX. Do I think I'll ever watch this movie again? Probably not. Um, did I walk out of this loving the movie? Not at all. Did I walk out of this loving even 50% of the movie? Probably not. Um, if I watched this movie in reverse, would it be slightly more enjoyable? Maybe. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's been the recap. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's great to, to talk about Tenet. Um, yeah, I think my initial opinion was I liked it but I had no clue what was going on for 80% of the time. Um, And I I spent a lot of the time thinking too hard. And as anybody listens to this show knows, that's not a good thing for me. So yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And I want to preface everything in this episode by saying I've never seen Inception and I'm saying like, Oh, you know, I saw it with Mallory's brother and he's straight away like, Oh, it's very much like Inception and I've never seen it. So I can't really compare it, but there's just something about this movie that I, that I liked without, fully going I love it because outside of the not knowing what was going on most of the time I think like visually it looks amazing the score was great the acting was good the action was fantastic you know this movie looks fantastic and again that could just be a case of 
I'm seeing it on a big screen. Hello, Christmas. You know, besides seeing Back to the Future a couple of weeks ago, I haven't seen anything since Sonic basically on a big screen. My first ever IMAX experience, so that could have also added to it as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, like, I don't know if I would watch it again. I, I, I would to a point where I just want to see it maybe in a couple of years and go, oh, yeah, you know, cool, that was that movie I saw and I didn't really, you know, let's see if I get it now. I, the, the one that I wanted to liken it to, in many aspects, was The Matrix. Because I remember seeing that as a kid. I was 12, so even dumber than I am now. And I remember <laughs> seeing The Matrix for the first time going, huh, what? Like, what the hell? And, like, let's be honest, The Matrix really isn't that hard to understand. At the time, it was as a 12-year-old. But um, I still enjoyed watching The Matrix as a 12-year-old. I still got weirdly obsessed with it. So I don't know if that's a good comparison in terms of the, the thinking part of this movie. But... Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's maybe not one that I would rush out to see again anytime soon. Here's the thing. I There are some things about the movie that I absolutely love, but then there are other things that I just have so many issues with. And I'll say this. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I didn't even realize this until the night we went, but I have seen every single Christopher Nolan movie basically opening weekend since Memento. Uh, you know, Memento, it had been out limited release for a while, but I had heard about the movie and it sounded so interesting that the very second it opened here in Winnipeg, I went to go see it. And same thing with, you know, his earlier movies like Insomnia and Prestige and everything. So I'm always there for a Christopher Nolan movie. And I see a lot of similarities in this to Inception. I see a lot of similarities in the type of story they're trying to tell with Interstellar. But I just, I didn't feel like the story was successful in any way. And I think one of the things that I really, some things are hard about this. One of the things that I really appreciated about this movie was that he took the time to explain the, let's quote unquote, science in this movie, science for what is science fiction, his theory on how this could be possible. But he spends, I think, so much time over explaining it because the weird thing about this, at least this was my experience, is that. I understood what he was trying to say with time moving forwards and backwards and inverting and all this stuff. But it's something where you mentally get what he's saying, but your mind can't comprehend it fully because it's so unnatural. You know, mm. it, it, it's, it sounds weird, but I tried to explain it to Jamie and she, she sort of got what I was saying. But the idea here is just unnatural. So your mind is left sort of still feeling very confused, even though you have a full understanding of what he's trying to put out there. But I think he spends so much time in this movie trying to explain the science to a point where it's unnecessary, because I feel like this is the type of movie where it's it's more effective if you just sort of have the brief explanation and then you let your mind fill in the gaps and you let the confusion of what's going on kind of be the experience of seeing this movie. You know, other issues I had, but I feel like that's one of the things. And then other things where there is no character development in this movie. And this is where I say, even though it's a completely different type of movie from Inception and Interstellar, Inception was similar in that it was using a very kind of trippy idea uh, of like reality bending idea. And then it has the Interstellar part where it's very, very complex science and physics where Interstellar also sort of over explained a lot of that and over convoluted. But this one gets so caught up in it that there is virtually no character development at all. Uh, and there's really only two characters in this movie that get any type of backstory or any type of significance. And it's Kenneth Branagh and then um, um, the the actress who plays his wife. Uh, and I don't feel like that's effective either. So uh, the big difference for me with something like Interstellar or Inception, which I thought were much better movies, despite maybe being simpler to understand, was that you at least had some type of emotional connection to the character in the story. And here I just felt nothing for the characters. I felt nothing for the story. 
Interesting, interesting. I'll have something to say about that, particularly in one of the characters, actually, as well. But, I mean, I, I think we talked a little bit about this when we did Dunkirk a few years ago, that I've not actually seen many Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, you know, I've seen the Batman trilogy, of course. I've seen Dunkirk. That's it. Uh, I've never seen <laughs> Following. I've never seen Memento, Insomnia. I've never seen any of the others. And it's not that I haven't wanted to. I, like, Inception's been one of these movies that I've been meaning to see for a very long time, just never gotten around to it. I, I really like... Christopher Nolan's style and kind of, you know, I, I find myself on his fanboy club, absolutely. And kind of seeing this movie just with the action really made me sad that he isn't doing No Time to Die. <laughs> you know, these rumours of kind of well, him doing a James Bond movie. Even though, wasn't there a bit of inspiration from The Spy Who Loved Me? Did I read that somewhere that that was one of the movies that either inspired this film or inspired a lot of his work? Uh, I didn't read anything like that. But, but the funny thing is, another one of the things that at times I appreciated, but when I had to look at the movie as a whole... I thought was a detractor was that this was a Bond movie to me. Like we, we all know that Christopher Nolan, I, I, at least before no time to die really became a thing. All the speculation started. Christopher Nolan might actually do a Bond movie. I think we even brought that up on one of our Bond 25 previews before anything had been made that uh, this is over on double R seven, which you can listen to, <laughs> but <laughs> coming um, soon, no time to die trailer reaction too. <laughs> but, but we had even said as strange as it seems, it actually looks realistic that Christopher Nolan could do this movie because Nolan had come out with a list of his 10 favorite films of all time and On a Majesty's Secret Service was on there. And when I watched this movie, to me, it almost felt like he turned down No Time to Die, but almost like he had a little bit of remorse about it. So he infused so much of the style, what you would associate particularly with the Daniel Craig Bond movies in this which at times worked really well as a bit of a spy thriller. But then when you combine it with the science fiction aspect, it's like this movie checks itself on and off. It never felt like those two genres of this mind-bending sci-fi and a straight spy espionage thriller really came together. For half of this movie, I would feel like this is a spy movie. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's the spy part of this again? Now this is just science fiction. And it didn't feel like those he didn't commit enough to either of those types of genres for this to really work. I understand that. Absolutely. I've actually found the uh, article I was referring to. Uh, so Christopher Nolan in a, in a recent interview uh, by Games Radar said that the first Bond film he ever remembers seeing at the cinema was A Spy Who Loved Me. And what he has always wanted to capture or he's retained from that experience is the feeling of possibility that you could jump through the screen and go anywhere in the world and see the most amazing things with such scale and such possibilities, pure escapism, have that excellent fantasy component and that he spent a lot of his career trying to get that feeling and trying to give that experience to audiences to take you back to the sense of wonderment about the possibilities of what movies can do and where they can take you. So, I mean, that's... That's, I love that. I love kind of hearing that that kind of one movie is almost brought about that huge element that Christopher Nolan movies are kind of known for. And, yeah, like you are saying about the No Time to Die and everything, like, this guy's got to direct a Bond film. Like, this, is, this yeah. has just got to happen. I want to see a Christopher Nolan Bond film before I die. So, um, but back to your point about the spying and the espionage and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like, there was so so many elements of this movie which was very spy-like and it kind of seemed to get forget forgotten about towards the end. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I, wa I wanted to quickly mention just about my experience of seeing this. Um, so you saw this on, was it Thursday night? No, you saw it Friday night. 
Friday night. Yes. So, okay, yeah, that's right. And I was planning on seeing it the same night. And, of course, me being on the west coast of Canada now, I'm two hours behind you. So I actually was going to go see the 10 o'clock session here in Victoria. Looked online thinking, like, oh, do I book it? And I sort of looked at the thing. I was like, oh, no, there are tickets still available. I should be fine. So I show up. I don't know how the, the cinemas are with you there in Winnipeg. I'm sure it's probably the same. You sort of There's somebody waiting for you outside. They've got like a little table where yeah. you've got to take your name and all that sort of stuff. And I got this woman who essentially sort of looks at me. She's like, yes. And I'm like, I'm here to see a movie. I'm like, is that what you do at Cineplex, I think? Am I in the right spot? <laughs> see that giant Cineplex sign? Movies, right? <laughs> this, is, this is where I am. Um, she's like, have you booked? But I'm like, no. And she's like, well, what are you here to see? And I'm like, Tenet at 10.20 IMAX. And she's like, it's sold out. I'm like, it's sold out, is it? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, okay then, thanks. And I just like turned around, got onto my phone and looked and it's like tickets still available. I'm like, uh, what the fuck are you talking about, bitch? Um, <laughs> only to realize that with clearly these social distancing things going on, uh, you can't buy a seat next to one other person. So, like, they kind of have groups of two mm-hmm. seats, right, that are spaced out by so many other seats. And a lot of people on Friday night were going to see Tenet by themselves because there were at least six groups of two where only one person was sitting in the groups of two and I couldn't book the one next to them. So that's why they it yeah. was confused. So I was like, oh, fuck this. So I went and saw it on Sunday night instead. Uh, and again, my first ever IMAX experience. And I have to say... I'm I'm a fan of the IMAX experience. The screen maybe wasn't as oh, yeah. big as I was thinking. I've heard that we've got another IMAX in Victoria that's bigger than the one that we have at the Cineplex. But in terms of like, it's it seemed that it was more crystal clear to me, and that it was it the, is yeah. the sound quality was much. Cri- like I don't know if I'm being that anal, but like I just really noticed that with a lot of the images on screen, it's kind of like when you remember watching a DVD for the first time after you saw VHS and then Blu-ray yeah. from DVD. Like, initially, you're like, wow, this is so much clearer before you eventually get used to it. So, other than that, other than bitch woman at the door, uh, <laughs> my IMAX experience at Cineplex, Silver City here in Victoria, was pretty good. And uh, the other thing just with IMAX is that you really have to, you know, pick which one you want to pay that premium for because there are movies almost every other week that are released as an IMAX experience. And literally, all they're doing is taking the regular film and just increasing the size of the screen. And in that case, you're losing the quality and everything. Whereas if you get movies like this and the Mission Impossible movies that are filmed with IMAX cameras, that's what make the, the big difference. Same thing with Dunkirk, uh, because th- there's no way they can film an entire movie with IMAX cameras. But I would say, let's say 40, 50 percent of this movie, you will see the screen expand in certain sequences. And then it just becomes crystal clear, like you said, which is totally worth it, which is why I, I would not regret seeing this movie. And I would almost be tempted to see it again. Just <laughs> when am I going to have another proper IMAX movie that comes out? Hmm. Um, but yeah, that, like there are sequences in this movie that you have to see in IMAX. And this is why Christopher Nolan held out. And when you do see this movie, even if you don't go to IMAX, I'm sure seeing this on a big screen, you'll understand why they were so persistent to not just release this streaming like all the other movies. Because it is to be experienced on a big screen. Uh, the, primarily the opening sequence. And then for me, what really sold the movie was maybe about two-thirds of the way through the movie. I won't give away too much. Uh, it's funny because we're doing this spoiler-free, and I thought to myself afterwards, I'm like, we can literally talk about whatever we want. Nobody's going to understand it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't. And I read a review exactly like that today that said, this is the perfect spoiler-free movie because you can't spoil it. Nobody's going to get it. Uh, but there, there is basically a sequence without giving away too much 
that does take place both forwards. A lot of this movie takes place both forwards and backwards, if you get that from the trailers. Um, but in this case, you see the entire thing play out. There's kind of a car chase, and then there's a bit of a fight scene, and then there's an interlude in between it where they really explain things, and you see the shift from going forwards to going backwards. And then they'll literally play the entire thing in reverse. Mm. So even though you're following one character straight through, you see one sequence going forwards in which certain things, certain aspects are moving backwards in that, and then they flip the whole thing around. And that, to me, was brilliant. And I, I feel like the running time hurts this movie because, again, he spends so much time trying to explain things that maybe you simply shouldn't have to explain. And then the other part being, there is so much of this movie that they're trying to you know, set up the two characters who have character development all through, again, without going into too many details, a painting that... So much time was spent on this bloody painting that I thought this movie was about a painting. <laughs> and then two thirds of the way through, yeah, I'm like two thirds of the way through. I'm like, what about that painting again? Like, it's just it, it throws you off because he spends too much time on these, you know, completely meaningless things. Yeah. Whereas I feel like this, if this was a much shorter, much tighter movie, something along the lines of the Prestige, that just it breezed by and it was quick moving. You can enjoy it a lot more, but to me, you get that one massive sequence in the middle of the movie, which just blows you away, and then you sort of get another 20, 30 minutes of, all right, you know, struggling to stay awake here. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And and to me, the ending was added layers of confusion because yeah. there was like a, a a piece of something on a backpack that all of a sudden <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, huh, what? And then when I went yeah. and read the Wikipedia synopsis, I'm like, wait, we saw that earlier? Did we? <laughs> I'm kind of, I remember that. Um, things like that. And I was kind of like, okay. But I mean, this, if one thing you can say about the cinema experience, whether you come out of this movie loving it or not, like it is one of these movies that you need to see on the big screen. I think it's it's definitely oh, a yeah. uh, you know. I'm glad I saw it on. It's like with Dunkirk. I'm glad I saw that on the big screen. And to just keep because I've I've heard so many people and read so many people online saying they won't go because they're not going to a public place. I thought the same thing. I, I saw a couple of movies um, like before new releases came out where they were just showing old movies for a few weeks. Uh, I saw Jaws. I saw Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I think I saw something else. I can't remember what it was. Empire Strikes Back. And with all those movies, I had the same feeling. I'm like, this is literally the safest place in the city you can go if you're mm. outside of your own home. And I thought it would be different seeing this, especially since it was what you would call sold out. But a sold out experience now because they can only at least here they can only fill 30% of the seats and even then you'll get less than that because of that rule like you said they can't have two individual people sitting in a group of two you probably have 25% capacity i mean it is impossible you, you won't notice there's anybody else in the in the the theater yeah it, so for anybody who's hesitant about going you know obviously it could be different in different places but to me even before you get to the commercials that show how they're, you know, cleaning things and how they're sanitizing and all that, there is so much distance that that it, it is probably better than sitting at home. Uh, then when you add to it, you know, at least I don't know if uh, they did do this in Cineplex, but when I saw Bill and Ted the other day uh, at Landmark, they had a big commercial playing where they showed this is how we clean. We have these giant fogging machines that kill 99% bacteria and, you know, it doesn't leave any residue or anything. Like, they're going to such great lengths that I really think that people should give it a chance to go to something like this because I feel more uncomfortable going to a grocery store first thing in the morning when there's nobody there because you're going to find more staff there than anything else and there's more surfaces that can be touched. This was a completely safe environment to get out of the house. 
Yeah, this is where, A, I'm kind of so over everything with this stuff that I just don't care. And, B, <laughs> if I see one more fucking ad about, oh, we're clean and, woo, like, everything was like a restaurant. Like, oh, we're clean, we're socially distant. And then I think there was even an ad for, like, Bell or something like that. Where it's like, ah, oh, we're clean. We're like, get the, we get it, okay? You're clean, you're distant. Like, all things you should have been in the first place before yeah. a pandemic. <laughs> oh, you weren't clean before, were you? Okay, cool, great, good to know. Yeah. Can we talk about the cast quickly? I I was going to talk about the cast after I, that, actually. Colin, I good, wanted to you ask, are so good at these mental segues. Good job. Well, you know, I already lived this through backwards before we got here, so I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to do. You mentioned that there was somebody you had a comment on being no character development. I'm curious wh- whether that was an actor or character, that like somebody you liked in this movie. Like, what am yeah. I missing that you got? No, like, I, I definitely see the, the lack of ca- character development, um, but for the first time ever, admittedly I've only seen him in two movies, uh, I really liked Robert Pattinson. And yeah. I really liked him. And, I'll, like, I'm so excited now for him for Batman. This, it reminded me of, um, I know you've talked about it, and I can't remember, it might be Layer Cake, I could be wrong, but I remember you saying that you weren't that excited for Craig, for Bond, and then you saw him in a movie and thought, okay, this could be good, I could be yeah, doing it around the wrong way. Cake. But um, so this to me, like I was like, okay, I'm sold on him. I'm I'm happy to see him in Batman. And this was like what a day or two after seeing emo Batman with makeup under his eyes and stuff like that in a trailer. So I I really liked Robert Pattinson in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he, to me he was what this movie was about. And and it's sad because he's a minor character. To to me this was like if, for anybody who saw Inception, this was the Tom Hardy or the Joseph Gordon Levitt role where. He, sure, he has no character development. I didn't know the character's name. I also didn't know John David Washington's character's name until I reached the end of the movie and realized his character doesn't have a name. Hmm. Uh, could just be because Christopher Nolan wrote a whole script and realized, I don't want to do character development. Nobody has names. Uh, but <laughs> Robert Pattinson, he's, he, he's, he almost feels like he's not used enough. But when he's there, he owns the screen. Like, he is the best thing in this movie. And I walked out of this thinking, I am so excited to see him as Batman now. Yeah. Uh, Jamie who had actually, I, I don't think I've seen Robert Pattinson in anything. I'd never seen any of the Twilight movies. Jamie seen had seen... Harry, have you seen the Harry Potter movies? I have, but I probably couldn't tell you who he He's was in, in it. the cause... fourth or fifth one, the one where they have to do all the, the quests and he dies in a maze. The Goblet of Fire. Oh, yeah, yeah the fourth one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I couldn't tell you who he was in that, there. That's all I've like seen him. I've like seen him in one of the Harry Potter movies and I've watched the first Twilight ones. Mm. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I never saw the Twilights and Jamie watched them only because they were on Netflix and she wanted to see what the big deal was. She watched the first two movies and then said to me, it was something along the lines of, you know, I have wasted more of my life on these two movies than I ever would wish anybody waste their life on. <laughs> and, and a reminder and to our listeners, if we get to 1 million likes on the Elsa Network, we will refuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but Jamie came out of this, a huge Robert Pattinson fan like that. That's all she wanted to talk about. And she actually saw Twilight and Hayden. This is what we were saying with the Batman movie. I think a lot of people are saying, you can't judge him based off Twilight. I mean, Henry Cavill was the backup for that role in Twilight. If Robert Pattinson had turned it down or died or something like that, Henry Cavill was going to get that role. Are we going to judge Henry Cavill because of that? We shouldn't joke because it may become a thing now. Yeah, Robert Pattinson's <laughs> going to die now. We know this trend yeah. of people who are like the Batman movies leading into it. People aren't happy about them playing a role and they're going to be great dying beforehand. I mean, Robert Pattinson's clearly going to win a posthumous Oscar now for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he got a nomination. I don't think he should just because there's no character here. Uh, but, you know, he is the star of this movie. Now, on the flip side of that, 
John David Washington, you know, I, I saw him in Black Klansman. I think I even commented at the time in Black Klansman. I'm like, I see something there with him, but I don't feel he's there yet. And I walked out of this thinking the exact same thing. Like, I was almost surprised that I didn't like him more in this movie. And then I started reading some reviews and realized that he's getting some of the weakest reviews about this movie. And it, 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 we could fault the fact that there is no script here, no character for him to work with. But... I'm not going to say I'm underwhelmed by him, but it's just to me, he still screams massive star potential who's just not ready yet. Yeah, I mean, I read a couple of the reviews where a lot of people were saying that he like was bland and kind of phoned it in and that, but I, there was something about his character which I kind of think that suited. Um, I mean, absolutely no character development, of course, but I kind of like that almost like phoned in style for this character. I think it's it, it, it suited. I don't know, it's I like weird. boring. Yeah, I like boring. <laughs> That's why I like uh, Cloud Atlas. No, um, it's... I don't know. There was something about him that I didn't dislike. I mean, again, not my favourite part of the whole movie. But, yeah, I I mean, I really... It's not bad. It's just... Yeah. It's I just don't... He doesn't, there. to me, scream, you know, he's ready to be the next big thing in Hollywood. He's the Romania of actors, you know. Again, <laughs> he's just there. You know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know Romania exists. Download. Was that off the podium? Um, no, that was Bond. 007. Download now. Gosh. keep. Well, you may as well download off the podium while you're on iTunes or whatever it's called now, just because. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's sort of – I mean, he's had a couple of big films now, has John David Washington. But is he becoming a household name? Because I remember during our Black Klansman one, I think you didn't even realise it was Denzel's son. I think you said, like, oh, yeah. he kind of reminds me of it. I'm like, well, it is his son. Well, <laughs> so, no. Jamie said the same thing that I think we both said for Black Klansman. You look at him and you would never guess he's even related to Denzel. If you close your eyes and listen to him or just squint your eyes and watch him move, he is Denzel. Like, like he has the same speech patterns, the same mannerisms and everything. But I just – and maybe Denzel at you know, that age or that level of experience wasn't quite Denzel yet. I would guess he isn't. But I kind of left this movie and that night I went to bed watching The Equalizer because I wanted to see Denzel. You know? <laughs> and again, I'm not faulting him. I think that this is a weak script for him to you know be able to do much with. I, I feel like he has the physicality of the role. But when you see what Robert Pattinson brought to this – and you can't say Robert Pattinson was written – uh, to have more charisma or anything because his lines are just as bland. His character is just as non-existent. I feel like Robert Pattinson just made the choice to really play this much more lively than John David Washington did. Uh, the other one was, um, well, Kenneth Branagh, who's who's great. And I never yeah. liked Kenneth Branagh until a couple of years great ago. Great Russian but, accent too. Can I just say no, that? Amazing. And, and I, I was not a Kenneth Branagh fan. I used to hate Kenneth Branagh, but he's really sold me in the last couple of years. And then his wife, this actress, Elizabeth Debicki, Kind of similar to John David Washington for me, which is strange because the only other movie I saw her in was a movie called Widows that I got really excited about because it had like this incredible cast. It had Liam Neeson and Viola Davis. And I walked out of the movie thinking this movie is so boring, so bad. But the only two actors I liked in it were Elizabeth Debicki and one other unknown actor. So as soon as I realized that this was her in the movie, I had higher expectations. But again, she actually has character development. I didn't feel like she was that thrilling. Well, I will say you have seen her in other things. She was in The Man from Uncle, apparently, and also Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, um, and apparently The Great Gatsby. She's Australian. Did not realise she was Australian. And uh, she She's actually... Yeah, probably. Uh, and funnily enough, she starred in a, a TV series that was very popular in Australia that was completely filmed in Tasmania called The Kettering Incident, which I've never seen. Uh, and apparently she's going to be playing Princess Diana... Uh, 
in the crown coming up. So I see it. Um, I can kind of see it there. But no, she was... I wasn't blown away by her either. I was kind of like, eh, okay. Even the character kind of gave me the shits a little bit, but, you know, she was Again, there. Again, like, it's, there's nothing really for anybody to work with in this movie. And yeah. I'm not trashing the movie. It's just, this is not a good script. You know, it's not a... It feels to me like a first draft. Like, he he went a little too far on the technical aspect of this movie, like the technical aspect even in the story, and then focused all on the technical aspect of the filmmaking that he never stopped to think maybe I should do a rewrite or maybe I should bring a second screenwriter on to give this movie a little bit of personality. I, I really like Kenneth Branagh in this movie. I, I've never had a thing against him. I didn't realize you didn't like him. Um, so was it because he did Thor? Are you still angry at him? I'm like, well, what, what's wrong with <laughs> Kenneth Branagh? No, I, I, I would have to go over his whole filmography here um, to figure out what it was. But it's just he's one of these actors that bothered me for some reason growing up. Um, he hasn't even done that many things. Like Jack Ryan, I think he was okay in. Wild Wild um, West? Well, that's probably one of the things that bothered me. I was, I love Wild Wild West, but definitely not a fan of his Aww. character in Wild Wild West. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd seen him in uh, several things and didn't really care for him that much. But uh, no, he, I'm definitely sold on him now. And and we got the um, Michael Caine cameo. And the reason I'm not saying that's a spoiler because it's literally in the trailer. Um, so <laughs> that's all he has in the it movie. Is. Is what you, see, what the you see in the trailer is basically the length of time he's in this movie. Because it was Dunkirk the first and only Christopher Nolan movie that he has not appeared in? I think so because I remember um, Michael Caine said he wanted to retire from acting. This was around Interstellar. And he had said something about how Christopher Nolan's next movie is going to be my final role. And then he wasn't in Dunkirk. So maybe that's the reason they, they put him in this movie for such a short period. Of time. I've got even less left in me than I than I have now, you know. But yeah, it, it was to me, it also screamed of this is a cheap cameo. Like, I don't feel like that, that scene. It almost hurts that it's Michael Caine because you watch the scene and it doesn't mean anything in the movie. And then the scene's over and you're like, well, is that it? Mm. He's 87, apparently. So, yeah. Um, the only one here that I can see in that he wasn't in. Oh, apparently Dunkirk, he had an uncredited voice cameo in Dunkirk as Fortis Leader. So, he was sort of in it. Um, so, but, so Christopher Nolan's done, what, 11 movies and he has appeared in nine of them. So what are the two that he hasn't been in then? Um, that's well, he, he was in the prestige was his first one. So memento and the following, he wouldn't have been right. Okay. Then there you go. Well, I, I like that when kind of actors do that with certain directors, you know, except for what's her name, Helena Bottom Carter and Tim Burton. Just, just, we get it. You're together. You're mm -hmm. casting your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Like, think outside the box, Tim Burton. Not just with your casting, but with all your movies. Um, the score, though. You're, you're a score man. Um, yeah. I, I really love the music in this. And oh, yeah. uh, I have to say, uh, since the, I saw this movie, I've downloaded Travis Scott's song, The Plan, which they play in the credits. And I've been playing that quite often recently over the last few days. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would gladly get the soundtrack for this film. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of tired... As unique as they are i've kind of tired of hans zimmer's pairings with christopher nolan because i feel like he's always just trying to create some type of unique sound that you know it, it it just feels like the same thing over and over again even though it sounds completely different and i thought at first that this was hans zimmer because the composer ludwig Göransson, this is a guy who um uh he did the the creed movies which incredible that he found a way to kind of 
put a different spin on the Rocky themes of all things. And this is completely different. But I was convinced this was a Hans Zimmer thing. And then I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, this is actually the best Hans Zimmer score I've heard in a Christopher Nolan movie. And then to see at the end, it's not Hans Zimmer. So Lud- Ludwig Göransson, you're the next Hans Zimmer. Because <laughs> this was, to me, more impressive than Interstellar, more impressive than Dunkirk, more impressive than Inception, maybe even. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's just something like it's it's that... I can't even do it. <laughs> it's like sound that kind of, you know, plays in it, which kind of works. And it, listen to the Travis Scott song. It's kind of got that sort of feel to it, which is, is really good. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you're a Rihanna fan, so I don't know if you'd listen to Travis Scott at all, Colin. Well, which but, Rihanna song did he do? Uh, who? Travis Scott. Yeah. No, I just mean in general, her? the style of music that Travis Scott has oh, doesn't okay. really work with Rihanna. <laughs> so, I thought, I thought he the was different people, Rihanna, Colin. So. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking that it was a duet or something. I mean, they probably have. I'm sure there might be like a Kevin Bacon number for singers. I'm sure they've they've worked together somewhere. But uh, anything that we haven't added to this that we are missing before we maybe get into uh, just uh, our reviews and just, I guess, quickly the, the box office situation, because this is a, a crucial film really for, for box office when it comes to our current situation in 2020. Yeah, not much else to add uh, without spoiling anything in a movie that's uh, impossible to spoil. Um, Other than the fact that I think if I were to if I were to pick which Christopher Nolan movie is the least must see, this might be the least must see Christopher Nolan movie, even though there are things about this movie that I feel like you have to see to believe. I feel we should do Christopher Nolan month one time. Uh, Oh, yeah. Because, you know, there's someone there that I've always wanted to see. And I guess we keep uh, saying that we're going to do this month, this month, and this month. And we are, you know, where are we at now? 2020. We still haven't done Brendan Fraser month. So I was talking to somebody the other day and they said they, if they were to have an orgy with actors, right? Daniel Craig came in at number one. Then Ryan Reynolds would join in, followed by Brendan Fraser. So that's Brendan a Brendan Fraser, a- now he's, he's on mine. Yeah, <laughs> Colin's literally just googling the word orgy right now to see what that means. I heard the typing. <laughs> Ask Jamie; she she would know. Um, so, in terms of box office, uh, obviously, at the time of recording and releasing this, haven't got any numbers from the US because it's coming out now. Canada apparently, all I'm reading here that it was a number one film in Canada, but they haven't released figures. But it made about. I wish they had. Yeah, which is interesting. Do they usually not lump Canada figures in with the US they- numbers at all? Well, that's why it's so confusing, because if you look back at the North American box office a couple of weeks ago when SpongeBob came out, SpongeBob, they're delaying until 2021 in the United States. But in Canada, it got a full theatrical release like mid-August. And you could see SpongeBob was like number one of the box office or something like that with $900,000. So the box office is always reported as Canada, U.S. And for some reason, there's nothing with maybe they're going to, you know, wait and release that as a one-week figure as <laughs> some type of oh this is what we made for the entire first week of release and <laughs> just to bump up their figures to make it look more impressive who knows well 55 million around the world at the yeah. uh, time of is that correct 53 million. i had heard that it was a, a like around the 50 million dollar range that it opened with which you know is that anywhere near what it would have been if it was released a year ago no but considering the circumstances yeah i think that it's it's really impressive and the fact that it was sold out where you were you know that's also positive um bill and victoria is known as the the difficult market so if it sells out (laughs) in victoria you know it's going to be good box office 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I would think even here, if, if you can sell out anywhere, because the other thing to consider is the way that movies are being released, at least here in Canada, which I'm assuming it's going to be the same in America, uh, you have these giant cineplexes that have 12 different screens, but now they're only showing three or four movies there. And every single movie is showing on three or four screens, and it's playing like every half hour. Because the only way that you can you know, make any money off of a movie is to show it across all screens. So mm. to have a sellout with only 50 people there, if that, maybe a sellout with like 30 people there, you know, when you consider the amount of showtimes that it has, you know, it's good for anything to sell out because if one if one is sold out at 10 o'clock, you know, chances are the ones at 940 and 920 were sold out as well. 53 million in 41 countries, uh, 7.1 million dollars in the UK, 6.7 in France, 4.2 in Germany. Uh, expecting it to make around $20 million in the U.S. on the opening weekend and 40 to $50 million in China. So, uh, I mean, this this is the one, though, that we're all hanging on because, you know, we talked about Greyhound, you know, we, we talked about uh, the other ones that we've done, but, like, this one obviously is really the first one they've got there. So, I mean, at the time of recording this, of course, Bill and Ted's kind of a half and half when it comes to being at cinemas, being on streaming. We've got Mulan has just dropped on Disney Plus with their weird exorbitant extra fee on Disney Plus on top of that. So there's, there's all these different models that are out there, which I guess all studios are going to be kind of balancing, going, okay, do we just limit it, release it in certain countries? You know, do we half stream, half release? Do we just charge a premium on Disney Plus or something like that? So, you know, mm-hmm. we've still got some big ones this year, of course. Colin and I are very much hanging on for No Time to Die. We just had a trailer drop, so looking semi-good that it's still on for November. And, of course, Wonder Woman, another big one, is coming up. Black Panther, not Black Panther, sorry, Black Widow. Um, so, yeah, there we go. We'll keep an eye on that. But in terms of our reviews, Colin, um, I'm going to jump in because I don't want to be swayed by you because um, okay. I feel like I always copy you. Um, I'm going to rent it. It's it's not BIM worthy. I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love it. Uh, as mm-hmm. I said, I, I kind of I walked out of this still gun like that was a good movie. It was a well made movie, but it's just the confusion level for me and just yeah, it's it's something that I will probably watch one day. I said to Mallory, I'm like Mallory, you would have hated this, but then when I kind of explained it to her, and she's like, oh, no, I'd probably watch that, and I'm like, you're not going to like it. But who knows? I've been <laughs> wrong. She, not many people well, like me, yet she's engaged to me. So hey, she might like things that many people don't. Look, Jamie and Mallory are very similar in their movie tastes, it seems, uh, and in their complaints about our movies and things like that. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like in a lot of ways, Jamie enjoyed this movie more than I did. Uh, despite you know being just as confused and everything, it could have something to do with the fact that she she definitely uh, was a fan of Robert Pattinson and John David Washington in this movie. Uh, <laughs> what sways Jamie more than than men? Uh, well, he but, was shirtless. Mr. Washington was shirtless at one point. He was, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she was a fan of both of them. So there's something in there for the ladies, I guess. Uh, but uh, I I couldn't bin this movie either, even though. I think if I were to talk about the things I disliked about this movie, I feel like if you just focus on the bad parts of this movie, there are some things about this movie that really just don't work. And it is easily Christopher Nolan's weakest movie. Like there's, I don't think I've read one positive review that isn't saying this is a weak Christopher Nolan movie, but it's still good. But I feel like the things that are good about it, you know, the, the, the couple of really great sequences, the idea behind the movie, uh, I like enough that I would rent this. And then, just the fact that even though I said my frustration with this movie is that they try to over explain so much, they make it more confusing. The fact that still I'm sort of left with 
trying to put in my head what the idea behind this movie is and the time travel aspect that it still feels so unnatural to me. I feel like they accomplished some of what they set out for. So it's definitely a rent. Maybe not even a high rent, but it's a rent. Well, that's the beautiful yellow category one. It's there for the nice middle ground. Uh, Tenet, now available in cinemas. I feel like we never do that, do we? Now available in cinemas. Now available. Well, because we haven't been able to see it in six months. (laughs) True. And if we were sponsored, like if Cineplex, come on board. Like, you know, like go see it at your local Cineplex. For more details, visit cineplex.ca. You know, do that. Um, we're going to come back with a, another review, probably in only a couple of days as well. We realize we've kind of been a bit silent on the uh, episode front in the last few weeks, but we're planning to uh, have things catch up. We obviously haven't had any full reviews, which uh, we are going to be changing as well in the coming week or so. But our Bill and Ted Face of Music review is going to be recorded and released on the same day. We're going to do that on the weekend. I, at the time of recording this, have not watched it. Colin, I believe you. Have you seen it uh, at the cinemas, on streaming, on both? Where did you end up seeing it? Both. Both. Um, yeah, and again, if you've listened to our Bill and Ted recaps, next to Star Wars, that was my child's favorite thing. So the fact that they screwed up the theatrical release that Canada actually had so badly that it wasn't released theatrically in Canada until Monday or Tuesday meant that I was going to stream this movie over the weekend and then go see it in theaters, whether I liked it or not, which you'll find out tomorrow. Um, one way or another, I was going to see it both ways. Well, uh, I will see it one way uh, at some point uh, on my tiny-ass television in my new lounge room. So uh, we will be talking about it in a couple of days. Uh, potentially a Mulan one in the next week, so we don't know. Um, it's kind of... We just talked about it off-air, and it's not one that we were rushing out to see, but uh, who knows. And if you if you want to honestly hear some more about us talking about James Bond, we are planning on doing a No Time to Die trailer to reaction episode over on Double Oz Seven. So uh, head over there to hear us because obviously that's the one that Colin and I are wetting our pants about in the lead up to that yep. one. But uh, our um, pants. with with Wonder Woman uh, 1984 looking likely and likely that it is coming next month, mm-hmm. uh, we are gonna get into our DC month take two. Of course, we did DC month in the lead up to Justice League back in 2017. So there have been four DCEU movies since, and we're going to catch up on the ones that we haven't done. So we'll be starting with Justice League and kind of very uh, relevant to Justice League because, of course, we know that we're going to have the Snyder Cut next year. No doubt we will do a review of that next year, kind of compare it to this one. Colin and I did a review of Justice League when it first came out. I always enjoy doing a recap of a a movie that we've done reviews for in the past and... uh, Big fan. All of these movies, let's be honest, we have done reviews. What am I saying, Ben? But um, obviously Colin and I are big defenders of Justice League, and that will be followed by the absolute mindfuck of a movie that is Aquaman, a movie that I have not watched since I saw it at the movies. Um, Shazam, so good we did it twice. And uh, Birds of Prey, the emancipation of Harley Quinn and the other 58 words that are in that title that I've forgotten. So, uh, I'm I, again, we've talked about this a couple of weeks back. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a DCEU fanboy. I literally think I bought every single DCEU movie when it comes to our rating system, and I'll probably continue to do so if we ever redo these in the coming weeks. So, I'm, I'm excited to get into some more DCEU movies and get into Wonder Woman 1984 because it's really looking good. And I think that uh, all these people out there who still just decide they want to follow what everybody says in the internet instead of having their own opinions uh, are going to have to realize that DC's actually been on a bit of a roll because we're getting into some of the really good movies here. Uh, And I would make the argument that if you objectively looked at, let's say, taking, let's say, Endgame out of the equation, if you looked at the last 
four or five Marvel movies and then compare them to the last four or five DC movies, I think DC has a bit of an advantage because I don't think that I think Marvel's been on a bit of autopilot and there have been some pretty average Marvel movies, but some really interesting DC movies. I will correct myself. I apparently rented Aquaman, so uh, we'll have to wait and see if my mind can be changed because, again, my mind's still trying to process what happened in that movie. Um, it's not like Tenet. <laughs> like, Tenet's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Aquaman's not confusing, but, again, Aquaman's like, it's a bit Star Wars. It's been Indiana Jones. It's a bit like there's 58 different movies in this one movie. It's a, it, yeah, I might go around the corner to... I actually noticed there's a, there's a cannabis store literally across the road from where I live, so, hey, I could be stoned while watching it and do it legally. <laughs> Because that's Did the you just notice that while you noticed I just noticed this? That that was like, ooh, a, a, a shiny object type <laughs> yeah, of moment there? Yeah, they're long drugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty what green thing. What What's that smell? <laughs> what is the, what is the, what are your drug of choice that you have the, um, we've made jokes about this before. Oh, was this yeah, heroin probably, I don't know. Heroin, uh, cocaine, don't know. I'm addicted to something, aren't I? Oh, that joke. <laughs> Yes. Um, but, I mean, this is the joys of also living in an apartment building now, isn't it? That every single floor you walk on, there's a collection of different smells. Um, and I swear <laughs> floor number two is always a mixture of weed and soup. So, uh, little old lady enjoys a soup while having a couple of uh, joints in the background. So, maybe I'll go meet Doris. needles everywhere. <laughs> yes. And knitting needles at the same time. It's confusing. Like, I, what does she use for what? I have no idea. Uh, so, stay tuned. Plenty of stuff to come uh, in the coming days. And it's exciting to get into some new movies and some old movies and sort of get back into a regular routine. My name is Ben, and insert that famous quote from Tenet here. My name is Colin, and I have more personality than Tenet. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time